Hey, everybody. How are you doing? It's Trevin McGee from uh, Lawrence.com, here with Eric Moline from SceneStealers.com. How's it going? I'm doing all right. Uh, we've taken a extended vacation. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you. And a, merry, a late Merry Christmas and Hanukkah as well. Happy Hanukkah. I'll spread the news. Spread it around. We don't, you know, you know, we don't like to to We're mix it up a little. Brag about it, yeah. We don't like to take credit for it, but we are actually a part of um, a legitimate organization, the Kansas City Film Critics Circle. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. And uh, this last weekend, we got to get together and vote on our best movies for 2010. Yes. And so we're going to go over those today. We're going to go over the winners. We're going to talk about some of the movies that we wanted to see nominated, some of the performances we would have liked to have seen. And then we're going to call it a day because it's a pretty dead time right now and neither of us wanted to go see Meet the Fockers. Exactly. You mean Little Fockers. Little Fockers, yeah. yeah. We, we, we didn't the, want to see it so bad fuckers. we couldn't get the title right. Yeah, meet the Little Fockers. <laughs> you know, it's it's the end of the year and, and frankly, uh, people, there's a lot of great movies out uh, right now. And so we're going to talk about a lot of them right now by just going through uh, the awards that uh, were passed out. Uh, Sunday night at the Kansas City Film Critics Circle uh, Lautzenheimer uh, Awards Ceremony. Yep. Not a ceremony, the voting. The voting. The ceremony is that we send these awards in the mail to the actors and they put them uh, as coasters underneath their uh, – Yeah, or they, they like <laughs> level their coffee tables yeah. with them. Or, no, know. I've actually been in the, in the, in the um, circle for quite a while and we do get uh, thank yous back from, yeah. from some of them sometimes. Didn't Catherine really – cool. uh, Catherine O'Hara. O'Hara, yeah. Didn't yeah. she send something back for From best for your show consideration? For, yeah, for your consideration. Yeah, That's she great. was great in that movie. And we were one of the only critics organizations to honor her, so yeah. that was kind of exciting. That's great. Uh, but yeah, so let's get things started. Uh, you know, there's uh, pretty much the awards mirror those of the Oscars. We've got mm-hmm. the actor and actress category, supporting categories, uh, animated documentary, foreign language, two screenplay awards, and then... We have something called the Vince Kaler Award for Best Fantasy, Science Fiction, or Horror Movies. Yeah. And uh, that's uh, named after one of our late colleagues uh, who's a big fan of genre films. And this is a fun he award actually, every year. He helped uh, found the – he actually founded the Critics Circle. No, he, he was he, – yeah, he was, he was so, around in the beginning. Yeah. So it's fun to be able to you know, vote on this because a lot of times the uh, awards ceremonies at the end of the year and, and best ofs, they kind of – you know, they ignore genre films. Sure. Uh, this year, however, that's not the case. No, no, not at all. <laughs> and, and the movie that won uh, this award also won – uh, the award for best original screenplay and best director. Right, you got three. Yeah, and that is drumroll, please. Da, 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 da. Inception. Yeah, believe it or not, Inception got three. So uh, Inception also won uh, original screenplay, and Christopher Nolan uh, won for best director. And uh, if you haven't heard of Inception by now, you're probably living under a rock. Obviously. Uh, I'm a big film fan. I put the movie on my list of of the best films of the year. Yeah, uh, in the bottom half, but still there. I think you know it's it's one of those uh, Nolan movies in that it's a giant puzzle. Yeah, uh, that you kind of have to figure out. But what I really liked about the film is that, especially after seeing it the second time, is that I think that it's kind of emotionally grounded as well with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio not just going in and trying to implant these ideas and mm-hmm. and do this this heist in dreams, but also uh, trying to to figure out what he's done with his life and how his life's gone yeah. wrong with with his wife and, and and such. And I think Nolan actually pulls that that story out. It's in there. Yeah. It's a little buried. Uh, and, and there are some problems with with uh, 
uh, a couple scenes in the film, but but I think it's really adventurous filmmaking, and uh, I'm 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 excited. To, yeah, and you know, you know it's really it's just him in total control. You know, I th- I don't really have a problem with him winning best director at all, and and adapted sc- or, um, original screenplay. You know, I was I was completely content with him getting that too. Um, he, you know, I mean, Inception was his baby. You know, and in in the hands of anyone else, it would have been a lesser would have been a lesser product and a lesser experience. The only thing I kind of balk at is that it won the the Kaler Award for sci-fi just because past we've honored sort of niche movies or movies that have, have done things on budgets that were maybe a tenth of what Inceptions was. Um, last year, District 9 got it, and I thought that was really cool that we were able to sort of single out District 9, even though... I had my own problems with District 9. It was pretty overwrought. And then, Hell, that ended up getting a Best Picture nomination, yeah, too. So right. that's pretty crazy. But uh, Maybe there's know, some headway being made in, in genre films. I mean, you know, Return of the King actually won Best Picture. So yeah. I think that's the first one. Yeah. From what I understand, yeah. Speaking of that budget, I know that uh, that we're both really fond of Black Swan. Yeah. That was another one. That's And I think, actually, I was sitting next to you, and you kind of realized, oh, no, it's... Yeah. A horror movie. I forgot yeah, that I could put it genre. in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and my other pick that uh, I put on my top ten um, that didn't make it into this mm-hmm. is Scott Pilgrim versus the World, which yeah. I don't think is a perfect movie, but again, no, it's very adventurous. It. Yeah. Uh, and I would have liked to have seen that award. And I think here, it, you so. know the the thing about that, and I was actually originally going to make a big case for it, and then I saw that Inception was on there, and I thought, <laughs> well, I thought you know that it didn't stand a chance of winning picture, and I thought another. A director had a better shot at at the best director yeah. award. Than Nolan winning Nolan. here was a surprise to me yeah. too. Yeah, I really thought that um, it was going to go to. I would have been fine if it went to Tom Hooper for the King Speech. I would have been fine if it, I really wanted to go to Aronofsky. Honestly, that's another example of a director just in full force. I mean, the last fifteen minutes of that movie is just him, you know, un, undiluted, and it's just masterful. I mean, on so many different levels and. That movie really wouldn't have been anything without his guidance, without his hand. I mean, the plot stands up because he makes it stand up. The details that he focuses on, the little things that he goes with, and then the performances he's able to coach out of Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis, you know, made that movie. That kind of takes us into our next category, adapted screenplay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Went to the social network. Uh, It was written by Aaron Sorkin, Mm -hmm. uh, who I think is uh, on a paved road of gold uh, all the way to Oscars, uh, uh, Oscar night. And uh, Sorkin, a lot of people know him uh, best from the West Wing, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, very famous for creating and writing that show. Um, it's, it's funny because more recently he did Charlie Wilson's war, which was kind of a mess and kind of didactic and a little, uh, uh, you know, trying to do that thing where he tries to push in the message a little bit too much. And I think, uh, that in the social network, one of the things that makes this movie so great is that it is ambiguous and there's Mm -hmm. so many different things at play here. You've got class warfare, you've got, uh, you know, uh, uh, jealousy, you've mm-hmm. got uh, pride, you've got uh, sexual politics, uh, you know, uh, new technology. I mean, there's just a million things yeah. going on. All that stuff is kind of happening right now, and it's exciting. And I think this movie captured that, and Sorkin captured mm-hmm. that really well. And, and for his part, Fincher uh, put it on screen in a really fantastic way. Sorkin dialogue, like 
what it was the thickest or the the, the biggest screenplay of the year. I don't know. It's yeah, some, some somebody had a stat at the meeting. Stat. It was like critics. three. Yeah, it was three times thicker than the other yeah. biggest screenplay from the year. And it's just you know, all that. honestly, I don't mind wordy screenplays as long oh. as the words are interesting. And uh, I don't think that they write movies. I'm such an old fogey like they used to uh, in the 30s and 40s with the snappy dialogue. So yeah. when one comes along like this uh, with terrific performances to pull it off and all those great themes playing into it, I think it's awesome. So yeah. moving on to foreign language film. This year there was a movie that I just recently saw. It was in Kansas City for a little while. I don't know if it even ever came to Lawrence. No. Uh, but it's called Mother. Uh, and that won our foreign language film award. It's directed by Bong Joon Hu who is the uh, director behind the monster movie The Host, yeah. which came out. Which is also uh, a family drama, too. I mean, it's... It was, yeah. yeah. Which and is I think, very much what, you know, Mother is. So. Yeah, and so I, I, I think that uh, this guy, this director, has proven to be one of those people who can just uh, put a stamp on, on a story because yeah. if, you, if you look at it on the surface, you say, this is a movie about a mother, an overprotective mother, who goes out of her way to prove that her son mm-hmm. is innocent of this murder. That doesn't sound like a movie that I want to see. Like right. that just sounds like eh. So so I'm describing it to you now, and what I'm what I'm leaving out is how insanely quirky this movie is with its tonality. It's all over the place. Sometimes it's it's just ridiculous humor. Uh, uh, sometimes it's really subversive. Sometimes yeah. it's really dark. Sometimes uh, it, it does kind of play out like a murder mystery, and everything's up in the air. Um, and and then what you find out about this character, this 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 mother who's uh, played by uh, Kim Hee yeah. uh, in a towering performance. Honestly, it's amazing. Uh, by the end of the film, what you've seen at the beginning takes on completely new meaning, and it's it's kind of a tragic movie. But uh, huh. I can't say enough good things about Mother. Yeah. It's on my top ten list of the year, and I was really excited that it won. Yeah, I was I was too. I thought a prophet was going to get it for sure, and which was, was another great movie. Another great movie. Yeah. Technically, I mean, we you know it won the oscar last year but the way we vote is when it, it comes didn't out, win it was nominated it was nominated yeah. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. yeah um but yeah it came out at the very end of uh or the very beginning rather of of 2010 here and that's right. that's what we base our voting on is when movies are released or when we get screeners within yep. so it could have won calendar year it could have won. won and absolutely yeah it's great and if you get a chance both mother and a profit are both on netflix now so um, you can instant. You Is can, mother on Netflix? Yeah, you can. Nice. You can instant queue either of them. I, I would know. recommend you instant queue both of them right away. Yeah. What's next? What's our next? Category? Next is documentary, and mm. uh, this one was uh, very contentious. Uh, I'm not going to say what 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 other documentary we were grappling with. But, I will. Okay. I was waiting for Superman. And there was a very distinct split in the room between what defines a documentary. And, uh, you know, should we be concerned more about the filmmaking or the issue or what's true and what's not? Mm -hmm. And Exit Through the Gift Shop, directed by Banksy, the UK graffiti artist, Mm -hmm. is one of those movies this year that uh, I wrote in my my, uh, summary of the year's trends. One of these movies that really pushed the boundaries of what's real and what isn't. Um, Because it seems at one point in the story... Maybe something's being massaged a little bit. Maybe right. maybe a prank is being played on us. Maybe not. Either way, Banksy, uh, this graffiti artist, is is really he's a street artist. I don't even think it's fair to call him just a graffiti artist. But he's he's sort of at the the early thousands um, and through the decade, he was kind of. And it's funny to say this because no one knows what he looks like. But he was the face of of sort of street art. The idea of um, basically, you know, guerrilla art where you would you know go out and. and in, under the cover of darkness and create art that was basically had a very short um, 
shelf life because it was either getting paved over or taken down or right. re- removed by um, city officials. It uses found footage and it uses, or not found footage, but sort of um, actual documentary style footage or handheld footage from the scene. You get to see a lot of Shepard Ferry, the guy who designed, uh, he's most known for designing the uh, Hope, Obama Hope thing. The yeah. Obama Hope poster that he's now being sued for by the AP. Um, but you, you may just, know him from his Andre the Giant posters, right? Obey, obey, <laughs> the obey that he's he's put. God, he's done like a he's supposedly there's a million up. I mean, he wow. didn't do all of them, yeah. but there's they've been distributed enough that they're everywhere, all over the world. And you get to see just their process and what it's like, and then it's um, fascinating on that level. And, and then, then it turns a total yeah. corner, and um, such an entertaining becomes movie. yeah. And the, from start to finish, it's super entertaining, and it's it's never it never winks at you. You have to kind of figure out afterwards. I told my girlfriend um, the sort of twist. I'm not going to obviously <laughs> tell it here, but I told told my girlfriend what the twist was, and she didn't even she yeah. didn't believe me. She had a Wikipedia. She yeah. didn't. Think a guy it. on the website was yeah. like, uh, "I took this entire movie as, as straight ahead truth." Right. So, I you know I mean it is what you make of it, and and honestly I think it's a really a damning. Uh, a look at uh, that really uncomfortable intersection between art and commerce. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, it, it turns a total corner and becomes a meditation on what is art and what yeah. classifies art and when does art stop and, you know, commercial prefabrication begin. And anytime a movie, whether it's a documentary or, or a fictional film, anytime a movie can turn a corner like that, it's it's got a, a special place in my heart. Yep. And... Um, Absolutely. Through the gift shops, just one of those movies that'll stick with you for a while. The other one was um, a little bit on waiting for Superman. I wouldn't have minded if it had won, but I just think that Gift Shop was such a better movie all around. Um, if you don't know, Waiting for Superman is the Davis Guggenheim documentary about the education system and how, or in America, and how broken it is. And it definitely did what a good movie is supposed to do. It, it sparked a pretty heated debate right in the middle of right in the middle the of our voting. Yeah. yeah, and it was interesting because people were discounting it not. On the quality of the film, but on its message. What's our next category? Well, uh, speaking of meditations on things, uh, the best animated film of the year, according to the Kansas City Film Critics Circle, and I think uh, you and I would probably uh, agree with that. Mm -hmm. I think we both voted for this as well. Is a meditation on uh, growing up and and uh, the passage of time mm-hmm. and letting go and and these universal themes that Pixar is so good at drawing out of their really really creative clever and thoughtful movies. This one uh, happens to be another sequel. It's Planet Toy 51. Story three. What's that? <laughs> yeah, Planet Fifty One. So uh, yeah, Toy Story three. I mean, it's the the biggest movie of the year. It's made the most money. The most people have seen it. Uh, and and you know what? It's a fantastic film. I I can't say enough good things about it. It was my third best movie of the year. So. Yeah, I can't say anything about it that you haven't already said. So I'll just we'll just move on. It deserved it. Um, I'm glad it won. It's kind of a cop out to give it best animated because it didn't stand a chance at at best picture. But. I know. And so let's go back to uh, a month and a half ago where I made the prediction. Um, can I? I'm going to use a word ballsily. Mm-hmm. That's not a word. No. I made up a word ballsily. So. My prediction that Toy Story 3 was going to win Best Picture at the Oscars. Yeah. Uh, right now, it's not looking like that's going to happen. No. But I will say anything can happen between now 
and the end of February, which mm-hmm. is a long ways off. Yep. So I'm, uh, I'm, and I'm not rooting for it because I think it's the third best picture of the year. Right, right. But it would be cool if that actually came true since I made the prediction so long ago. Before well, the, if you, the, um, the map changed, so to speak. No matter what, the podcast after the Oscars is going to be a new, the, the next episode of You Were Right. And it might be You Were Right, Eric, or You Were Right, <laughs> you Trevin. You Were Right, Trevin. Exactly. But, because Trevin told me I was nuts. Yeah, so. so we'll find out. Okay, so uh, we already did Best Director. That went to Chris Nolan for Inception. Uh, we'll move on to the acting categories. Uh, supporting actor this year, uh, another movie that made my best uh, list, The Fighter. Yeah. Uh, pretty unanimously, everybody uh, gave this award to Christian Bale. I was surprised by that. I mean, I, I voted for it. I, I He's the only one I thought even stood a chance, but I really expected Jeffrey, Jeffrey Rush, Rush. from The King's Speech. I really thought yeah. as you know, like, as traditional as the King's speech is in so many ways, I really thought that that was going to, he was going to walk away with that. I thought that was kind of obvious. Well, they're both traditional. If you think about it, they're both traditional kind of, you know, uh, weirdo performances, yeah. you know, in, in the King's speech, uh, Rush is playing an eccentric, uh, uh, speech therapist. Mm-hmm. And in the fighter, Christian Bale's playing a crack addicted, uh, former boxing champion. Right. And, um, you know, I watched the HBO documentary that actually featured the real mm-hmm. uh, uh, person, Dickie. Uh, Dickie Edlin, that he was based on. And uh, there, are, there are some certain things that he drew from, from that real person, I think, that are definitely in this performance that inform that. At the same time, I think there's a certain measure of camp and over-the-topness in his performance because he goes even further than what I saw uh, Dickie had. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's acting. It's artistic license and, and uh, you know, he lost all that weight and everything. Still, it's a very rounded performance. Yeah. Very believable, even though it's over the top and really entertaining. Yeah. He just grabs the whole movie, you know? He definitely jumps in and, and he has his moments, but Bale, Bale grounded it too. I mean, he, he was able to balance that with some pretty heartfelt scenes and oh russell i'm sure had a big hand in that and some of the stuff he chose to point his camera at really made a difference too so. now did i call him oh russell on the last podcast maybe or did i just do that the other day when we were talking because it's david O. russell but it's not O apostrophe he's not irish no but i keep saying oh russell and now you're saying oh russell and in my head i mean O period russell it's just <laughs> yeah. it sounds too right it sounds, sounds like too uh, right patty mcgillicuddy right so, okay, well, moving on, uh, Best Supporting Actress. Uh, this is a touchy category. I just read an article today about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether the Oscars, uh, the Academy, is going to do what they did uh, with Kate, Kate Winslet mm-hmm. when uh, she was uh, winning all the critics' awards for The Reader as Best Supporting Actress because oh, right. she was also supposed to get nominated in the Best Actress category for Revolutionary Road that year. Weinstein was pushing her in the supporting actress category, even though it was really a lead role. When the Oscars came around, they said, uh-uh, we're not going to go for that. They put her in the best actress category. Right. Here's the, t- here's the deal. She won anyway. She won best actress anyway for the reader. Uh, but who we're talking about here right now is Haley Steinfeld, who is the 13-year-old girl uh, who played – or she played a 13-year-old girl. I know she's young. I don't know what how old the actress is. Uh, but she played uh, – she was in True Grit. And she plays the headstrong uh, young girl, Maddie Ross. Maddie Ross, who's got a, she's got to, uh, you know, stand her own with Jeff Bridges and Matt Damon and mm-hmm. and uh, all these people who uh, don't think she's worth her weight in salt. And honestly, it's an amazing performance. I've seen uh, True Grit three times now, mm-hmm. and and the more I see it, the more I admire her. I always thought Bridges and Damon were great. Yeah. Uh, and very funny in it, but but uh, it's it's an astounding performance. And there's so much talent this year. 
in the best actress category, supporting actor, or and the actress, actress category yeah. that they're pushing her for supporting actress, and and we we went for it. Nobody even questioned it at the no. meeting. Yeah. But yeah, but it's 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 uh, it was something that I thought would come up, and it didn't. Yeah, and and I think that's a testament to how powerful her performance is. But the thing is, is everybody knows she's a newcomer, right. so it's easier for us to feel good. Us, I'm using quotes around us to feel good about uh, giving her the supporting actress award right. when we can. Give the best actress award to somebody who's more seasoned, but let's be honest, we're talking about a performance here. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, we did it as well. Supporting actress Haley Steinfeld, she's terrific in the movie. Melissa Leo, that's that's who I wanted. I, I thought wanted it was Melissa the Leo from for the Fighter. Yeah, yeah. and uh, no, not even I was. I voted alone. I stood alone on that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I really wanted to see her do it because she's the other part of that movie. I mean. It's supposed to be Wahlberg's story or, you know, like his character's story, but family. that family <laughs> and she's the face of that family and just the way that she inhabits that role. And especially if you see her in other stuff yeah. and see how completely, different, completely she different she is and everything else. Amy Adams got all the, all the love from the fighter yeah. in that category. And, and our, in, in, yeah. in the critics poll, there was a lot yeah. of people excited, but you know what? She's great as well. It's, it's a really solid movie and Amy Adams is doing some different stuff we haven't seen her do right. either. Um, but Leo, I think, was, um, you know, she's the matriarch of the family. Yeah. She's a toxic, toxic woman. <laughs> yeah, and she played it pitch perfect. To the hilt. We'll move on to best actor. Okay. This is another no-brainer. I mean, this is a done deal as well. Colin Firth might as well be writing his Oscar speech. Because yeah. not only is he in uh, a period piece uh, with a bunch of respected English actors, mm-hmm. Uh, and he's playing a yeah. king, and no playing less. a historical yeah figure, a historical which... figure. He's also playing one with a handicap. Mm-hmm. And as we know, Oscar loves to uh, reward that. He's um, King George the Sixth, who uh, was a notorious stutterer mm-hmm. and had to get over that speech impediment in order to uh, do these radio broadcasts that were increasingly important at the time and lead his country uh, into World War II. I've seen the movie again just the other night, my yeah. second time, and I have to say I don't feel bad about this at all. It's really nuanced. Great performance, and uh, I think that that chemistry be him, between him and Rush is what makes the entire movie work. Yeah. So. He deserves it. I don't mind that he's getting it and, and all that, and I won't be mad Oscar night when he gets it. But if I if I could um, just make it so, I think Ryan Gosling yeah. won for, for uh, Blue Valentine. Blue Valentine didn't win any of our nothing. awards. It was on Got my top nothing. ten list of the year. Yeah. Two of the, the most naturalistic, best It's one of those movies I've only seen it once, and I just can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. I just can't. I he keep, and Michelle Williams. He and Michelle Williams. And the the thing that always hurts uh, me on these is that I know the Academy and I know that our circle and, and pretty much every critic circle tends to gravitate towards historical pictures, historical figures. And I understand and appreciate that. I know it takes a lot of skill to sort of capture a a real person, someone who previously existed. But at the same time, you know, Firth had um, – newsreel footage he had recordings he had pictures he had a lot of he had a lot of pre-existing material to base his character off of and then gosling's character i mean you you look at what gosling does in blue valentine or even what williams does in blue valentine and those characters you know i'm sure they were based on someone or maybe they were completely um manufactured but it doesn't matter they they were original um creatures that they Yeah. yeah that they sort of willed into being and for them to physically and mentally transform for those roles i mean you know, you talk about Christian Bale and, and the weight loss. Well, the way that they're able to um, physically change and not just 
not just physically, but the way even their their speech and their movement and everything changes in just four years. It's 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 about four mm-hmm. years because um, the the girl in the movie isn't born in the flashbacks, and they're at her like preschool recital um, at the beginning of the movie. So that, that means yeah. there's about four years time in between, and um, just the amount of of change and heft and world weariness they're able to add to those characters and to their bodies and to their just sort of carriage and being is extremely noteworthy. And hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to actually talk about the movie a little bit more when it comes out because it's still at least two weeks they away. They pushed it back. More. It's yeah. going to be the end of January now for Kansas City, and I bet you it would be really ironic if Blue Valentine showed up just in time for Valentine's Day here. <laughs> right. It's on schedule, too. The, yeah. yeah. I mean, totally. it's, I don't know when it's when it's uh, going to get here, if it gets here at all. But but when it does come, I'd like to talk about the structure and some of the other I, things yeah. as well. It's a great movie. It is. It really is. And one of those movies you can't unsee. And one of those one of those performances, really from both of them, but specifically Gosling, that just kind of sticks with you, and you go back to several times after you've seen it. I agree. That um, would have been a great choice. And, and the fact, way that uh, it ends, the, the the conclusion of the movie is just really, I mean, memorable. The whole movie is phenomenal. I can't really say enough. I think it might have been my favorite movie of the year, despite how depressing and hard it is to watch more than once. Yeah, just, it's the kind of movie that sticks with you, and that's what I really cared about. Okay, so I've said enough about Blue Valentine. <laughs> What's next on our list? What's next is Best Actress, which is uh, a category this year full of huge talent yeah. uh, and, and none quite so huge in magnificence and small in size as Natalie Portman mm-hmm. for Black Swan. Yep. And that was the only time Black Swan won anything um, the entire night. It was the only time it was represented, and it kind of made me think of uh, There Will Be Blood and that you know, it it was just critically acclaimed, but then when it came time for actual award season, it was just Daniel Day Lewis, and no one else really saw anything. Cinematography, yeah. yeah. Well, Robert Elswit, yeah. Yeah, but no, it's it's uh, it's. I mean, it's a you know that movie, this movie, The Wrestler, Aronofsky's yeah. uh, last movie. These are performance or not performance driven, but. Well, they are performance-driven in one respect, but they are about one person. Right. You know, I mean, the entire thing is examination, uh, what it's like to live in this person's shoes. And yeah. and uh, Natalie Portman uh, is, is too skinny, too small, uh, completely fragile, uh, you know, underdeveloped uh, emotionally. And uh, it's really something that um, – We've never seen from her before, right. and, and she is a, a good actress, and, and I think Closer is as, as close as we've come, no pun intended, to seeing what she can do. But I think that Black Swan really pushes that uh, way over the cliff, and, yeah. and uh, you know, in a way, it's really synonymous with, with her career. And, and so uh, the fact that she was able to transform uh, into Nina Sayers, who was able to transform into the Black Swan, mm-hmm. I think says a lot about uh, her as an actress. And, and Aronofsky just... You know, I mean, he's all over her in this yeah. film and the close-ups and, and everything. The follow shots. I was talking this morning, you know, at the beginning of his career, he really pioneered with that snorry cam where it's just the camera right in front of her face. And then I think once um, Fear Factor started using it all the time, <laughs> that kind of went away. Yeah. But, um, y- you know, you, you look at his camera work and really not, not in the fountain, but starting in The Wrestler and following close handheld stuff, just yeah. kind of sticking tight on the subject and... and Making it handheld so that it feels um, sort of like you are there. Tight. You're way more participatory, but it's not a Paul Greengrass style shaky cam. It's just there, right. and you 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 feel like you're a part of that world. And to see his talents develop and the fact that now he's 
um, so much more restrained, and he's such a director that's in complete control now, um, and he doesn't need to show off. Like there, there are some technically amazing things that happen in Black Swan, and they go by almost completely unnoticed because they're intended to. And I, you know, that's the that's the best you know um, compliment you can give a director. And, Which we and, didn't reward. Right, right. <laughs> and, and, and clearly Trevin's bitter about that. You know, back to Natalie Portman, I think, I think that what she does in this movie is, is pretty extraordinary. Yeah. I think that, that um, you know, without her in the lead role, I don't know if the movie works as well. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, like I said before, it's just we haven't seen her uh, have, you know, this kind of fragility uh, and then to, to basically blossom mm-hmm. in front of our eyes and then have this confidence as well. I think it's a great performance. It's one of my favorite of the year. I would have liked to have seen Kim Hia from Mother. Yeah. Uh, uh, win this award as well. Uh, what I'm really hoping for, um, because of just the whole bias of American actors, uh, is that Kim Hia from Mother at least gets uh, an Oscar nomination. But this category, again, the best actress category this year, is just rife with 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 uh, great performances. So yeah. it's going to be really tough for her to do that. But yeah. I think Natalie Portman's a shoe in for the Oscar as well. Oh yeah, it's a, I think it's a one woman race at this point. She's and tell me about best uh, picture. This well, is this is uh, the last award that we did of the night, and and it came down to two movies, and uh, the one that won is I think the favorite of, for the Oscar. What do you yeah, think? At I, this point? I think it's it's if it's not the favorite, it's close enough that it might as well be. I think the only thing that comes close um, in terms of popularity and um, Oscar baitedness is uh, King's Speech and Toy Story Three. <laughs> <laughs> No, so, the, the, the social network. The social network. Yeah, that's the one. That's yeah. what we picked. Best movie of the year. Um, and and I agree. It was number one on my list as well. So yeah. I was really excited at at, uh, at how the the voting came out this year. Uh, I, mean, I already kind of said some things before about the themes and and everything yeah. with it, and and Sorkin and Fincher. So I'll, I'll let you uh, tell everybody uh, what you thought of the movie. Well, I basically, I mean, I, I felt almost exactly the same way. I mean, I, I had no problem with the Social Network getting it. What was the other movie that it was neck and neck with for us? Was Winter's it? Bone. Yeah, Winter's yeah. Bone. Which didn't end up getting anything and, and probably had the best chance in the actress category. Yeah. Again, stuff full of great Jennifer Lawrence, so. yeah, I wouldn't be bitter at all if she won. Anyway, John Hawks would be a good John uh, Hawks. Uh, supporting good actor. God, yeah. Too, so. he's, he's right up there, but... The the social network is just one of those movies that I think we're going to look back on um, ten years from now and say that was that really captured a moment. That really captured a moment in a generation, and um, the way that it deals with a lot of the themes in that movie, the way that it handles some of them are brand new, some of them are are as old as movies themselves. The the whole idea classic themes, yeah, classic totally. classic themes just sort of inserted into this modern era, and it but it makes sense and it doesn't feel the least bit forced or phony. Um, one thing that I think it really, it's been compared a few times to Citizen Kane, and I actually get that. And the reason <laughs> I do is because of, you know, in this day and age, Mark Zuckerberg is a, a great man. You know, like he is he is a Foster Kane. He is a Rockefeller. He is a person that made himself self-made from, from, from nothing. Right. And, you know, oh, he was in Harvard. Yeah, but he, he came from, you know, pretty meager beginnings. He doesn't really have any contact with his family anymore. And so then the idea of him creating what he did and the fact that money never even mattered to him or didn't mean that much and that it was all just about sort of 
interacting with people and, and was the, it about interacting with people or was it about authorship was it about uh, maintaining control over his baby you know what i right. mean because i think the big point that the movie makes is that the irony of it obviously with the title is that um he's not a very social guy yeah no he's, he's all about you know creating these relationships for people or at least that's what we all use facebook for now but uh in the beginning it was more like a class thing mm-hmm. like you know if you're not invited I'm going to keep this from you, and that's the that's the tantalizing reason right. that that makes exclusivity, exclusivity uh, you know, makes makes this thing uh, what it is. And now that it's opened up to everybody, I think uh, you know it's morphed and changed a million times since then. But um, you know, Sorkin's playing with all those ideas and and showing us why that's ironic, um, considering the people that were involved and the lawsuits and and the lost friendships and and things yeah. like that. You know, just how yeah. So it's it's a it's a really terrific movie. I've seen it uh, three times now yeah, as well. Yeah, I've seen it three. Yeah, yeah, and it just moves. Oh man, the pacing. And the soundtrack. I mean, I usually hate Trent Reznor with a white hot fire, but <laughs> but like uh, Reznor's yeah. soundtrack with Atticus Ross or yeah, yeah, that it's really good and moving. The cinematography. I mean, it's just. It's 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 exactly how it sounds. I mean, it's a Fincher movie. Yeah, he he uses he, he uses more dark than I mean more shade and more um, shadow than any other director out there. But the thing I always notice in his movies is how warm the colors are when he does use color. And there's this odd warmth and sort of vibrance to the social network and the scenes that that take place at night or on the campus that are really uh, really make it stand apart. The only other sort of duo or I guess trio that um, works in a similar capacity that I can think of off the top of my head, or at least this year, was um, the Coen Brothers and then Roger Deakins, the cinematographer. And so, what was what was Social Network shot on? I think it was shot on the Red. I think it yeah. was shot on that all digital camera again. And I know that they used that to their advantage. They shot. I mean, they took. They did hundreds of takes. I mean, they did. They did. What was it? Ninety nine of the opening. Ninety nine of that opening, <laughs> opening scene. I can't believe that. But when you're not using film, you can just kind of shoot until yeah. your heart's content. And, and you know, we haven't talked about it yet, but Jesse Eisenberg, I think, is uh, amazing in this film. I think that, that we're seeing something from him we haven't seen before either. But it wasn't for the fact that Colin Firth uh, was in there and yeah. had kind of a lock on things. Um, I would think Eisenberg. You know what? He, he never had a chance to win, but it's going to be really good to see him. I get nominated for this role because yeah. it's it's really something else. I don't know. For me, I think he just kind of plays every other character he's ever played. Really? Yeah, I don't. I, I you don't, think his Zuckerberg is is uh, unspectacular? No, nah, yeah, I do. I think. It's oh my god! The same sort of nervous flinch he did in Holy Rollers and in Adventureland and in Zombieland. I mean, it's just just the amount Eisenberg. of arrogance and confidence and the huge chip on his shoulder that he has throughout this whole movie, though, is just insane. The way he yeah. cuts people off and disregards them and. I, no, I, I I thought it was an incredibly uh, uh, great performance. So, in the interest of time, I'll just uh, let let the uh, podcast end with uh, Trevin's uh, explanation of uh, why he believes in ridiculous things. Pistols at dawn, Malene. Yes, exactly. Pistols at dawn. I'm sick of this. <laughs>